You ever sit down at your dinner table at night after you cook a long meal? Took you hours. You sit down at the dinner table and you start to eat it and you just look down and say, this sucks. Well, now you don't have to. Go to unitedharvest.com. Yeah, it's an ad. Tricked you. Unitedharvest.com to get high quality cuts of meat. I'm talking cross wasami angus beef. I'm talking American grass-fed lamb. I'm talking Hooterite pork. Canadian Hooterite pork. This stuff is incredible. I promise you will not be disappointed. Go to the website, unitedharvest.com. Type in the referral code, the promo code, FRIENDS15, all caps, FRIENDS15, for 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Cattle Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Scott, and I want to tell you thanks for tuning in for today's episode. You know, summer seems to be winding down a little bit for us here at the ranch. And as it does so, we're going to start weaning calves here very, very soon. One of the traditions for us is that as we fill up those weaning pens, we always go through and pick out some of our favorite bull calves and start to halter break them as candidates for our yard display at the National Western Stock Show. But this year, we've kind of got to stop and ask ourselves a question. Before we do all that, we better figure out exactly what's going on with the National Western Stock Show. We've got some questions about that, and I bet you do too. So to help get us both the answers we need, we're going to go directly to the source. And in today's episode, we're going to speak with Miss Clancy Anderson. Now, Clancy is the Livestock Coordinator for the National Western Stock Show, and she's going to let us ask her some real straight, honest, direct questions and give us some of the answers that we've been needing. We think you'll enjoy this episode, and without further ado, let's get right into our interview with Clancy Anderson. Well, unless you've been absolutely unplugged in the last year, you know that the National Western Stock Show has been a hot topic of conversation in the cattle community. So with all the questions floating around out there today, we decided to dedicate an entire episode to answering many of the questions that you folks are asking. And to do that, we're going to take you directly to the source, the best person we could find to answer those questions, and bring you today in our Cattle Pros podcast interview, Miss Clancy Anderson from the National Western Stock Show. So Clancy, welcome to Cattle Pros. Hey, thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me on. I sure appreciate the opportunity. It's our pleasure, Clancy. And let's tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do there for National Western. I think your title is Livestock Coordinator. What does that mean? Yeah, so I kind of oversee the the day-to-day operations of the livestock side of things. Um, You know, there's uh, anything from all of our contract employees and and the folks that we bring in to kind of make the stock show happen to things like the ribbon order, kind of all the little twists and turns that you don't really think about. So um, from the time that the cattle head in the gates and and leave and then wrapping all that up and all the rules and regulations, I mean, you name it, we kind of oversee it. So yeah. And until you've actually put on a show, let alone a show, the magnitude of the one that you're dealing with, boy, you really don't know how much goes on behind the scenes. It is, there's just a mountain of things that have to get done. A lot of detail work, takes a lot of organization, a lot of planning, a lot of communication. So I know that's, that's a pretty big job that you're tackling. 
Yeah, yeah, there is there is definitely a, a lot of uh, things to handle throughout the year. Um, you know, obviously, we kind of work on a cycle and you can somewhat uh, timeline project your year of how that'll work and whatnot. But there is definitely a lot of people to coordinate with and just all the fine details of who turns lights on, who helps you unplug the drain, who helps it, who helps you when the breaker blows. I mean, just just things like that. Um, all, all the little fine details for sure. If you're familiar with the National Western Stock Show, but not necessarily familiar with Clancy, I encourage you to get to know her. She is an absolute rock star. And I think uh, very, very fortunate for the National Western to have someone of her caliber there in that position. She does a great, great job. I've got a chance to know her uh, more over the past year and have really, really enjoyed uh, watching and learning what it is that they do and, and get a little sneak peek of what goes on behind the scenes. And it's a very, very impressive organization. So Clancy, we appreciate what you're doing and you guys certainly do a great job there. You're too kind, Jake, but I appreciate the kind words. It's very, very nice of you. <laughs> Let's just jump right into this thing, Clancy. I mean, as I began by opening, a lot of people are talking about the National Western Stock Show, specifically in the year 2022. So that'll be your comeback year after the pandemic. The question that's on everybody's mind, and I want to ask you directly, Clancy, is will there be a National Western Stock Show in 2022? 100%, absolutely, no doubts. Um, we have lots of, we actually have written consent from a lot of our, our stakeholders and whatnot. But yeah, 100%, you know, it's, it's been our priority over the last several months and, and years, really. Um, we've been planning and creating a recipe for, for a super successful, fun, and memorable 2022 National Western. That'll be happening January 8th to the 23rd right here in Denver. Well, you use the word recipe, and if uh, I can play off that, the recipe is changing a little bit from what I understand. And you guys are going to have a National Western version, let's say 2.0, we'll call it. But a lot of improvements, I think many people are familiar with the construction, the renovations, the upgrades, and the improvements. And we're going to talk a, a lot about that here shortly, but maybe more specifically to what the exhibitor experience will be, tell us about some of the things that you've also changed and, and updated and renovated for 2022. Yeah, you bet. Like from an exhibitor standpoint, we have you know, really try to be more conscious of people's time and money. That was one thing, you know, with not having the 21 show and, and COVID in general, I think allowed everybody to take a step back and reevaluate and say, all right, like, where can we grow? Where were we maybe falling short in the past? And where can we, you know, capitalize on, on taking some big leaps forward? So, um, you know, we've worked with a lot of, um, hotels and things like that. That was a big thing that was brought to our attention. So we've actually worked with Visit Aurora and Visit Denver, um, which is kind of their, their chamber of commerce, um, where they have helped us negotiate some hotel rooms. We've provided those resources to the breed associations as well. Um, you know, in terms of just having easier access into the facilities and, and everything, that's definitely something we're, we're trying to be more conscious and, and aware of. Um, and, you know, just adding additional services where we can better serve the exhibitors, um, you know, even down to schedule, right? We were able to kind of step back and recalibrate our schedule and, you know, just wholeheartedly be here to serve our breeders and exhibitors in a better way. So you talked about some recalibrations and some savings. Of course, 
when we think about savings, the first thing we think about is money and we all like saving money when we can and where we can, but also caught my attention that you said some savings in time. So give us a little bit of an idea about how the new schedule will look for, you know, any of the breeds really, but it, will it be a more abbreviated schedule as far as the amount of time exhibitors will be expected to spend in Denver? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you guys are an Angus family, right? So for example, you know, the Angus folks, y'all were on the hill for I think about 10 days and now it's about five days, um, things like that, you know, and then working with the Charlotte Association, they wanted an extra day on the hill. Um, and so we were able to, to accommodate that with them. Um, so really we were able to work one-on-one -on -one with a lot of the breed associations and really just um, make it make more sense for everybody. It's one of those sayings I feel like, um, that's the way it's always been, <laughs> right? And yeah. so we were able to, to step in and, and do that. You know, and there's, there's some other cool things that we're gonna be doing as well. Um, you know, we're gonna be looking into, we're looking into bulk bedding options, not only for the hill, but also for the yards, um, trying to maybe even do that in tie outs, like with straw and whatnot. We're gonna offer some discounts um, for other events like the rodeo and merchandise and, we are going to have $5 beers and in, in the livestock bars, I suppose, which is, which is a definite plus for some folks, but um, you know, and then we're also going to be throwing some exhibitor parties. So, um, you know, in Denver, we kind of have three waves of people that come in and out. And so um, we're going to be having three exhibitor parties that we're pretty dang excited about. Well, all that sounds fun. And, and especially the, the lower motel rates or some negotiated pricing with the motels, I think is a great, addition and um, one that'll be appreciated but it sounds like our breeds would be the best source of information for that am i hearing you correctly yeah yeah so if a breed association doesn't already have like their host hotel um, rate set up then um, you, they can definitely exhibitors can definitely contact us and we can help them out in terms of finding a hotel that is going to be offering an exhibitor rate um, but yeah, we, you know, if those, a lot of those breed associations, as you guys know, have, they already have existing relationships with hotels and whatnot. And I know that some of those blocks are already set up. So Clancy, one change that you and I have talked about in a past phone call. Now, I don't know if this is a direct uh, change that the exhibitors will notice necessarily, but if you have anything to do with a breed association, speaking of breed associations, mm -hmm. I know that you guys have also put some changes in there on your end as far as staff, communication, um, things like that, and improved some ways that you're able to serve and respond to needs of the breed. So tell us a little bit about that. I think people would be curious to know. Yeah, you bet. So, you know, I guess in the past, we maybe had a more traditional staff structure where, you know, there was a few year-round salaried employees, kind of like myself, and then... Um, we had superintendents and volunteers that kind of come in and they honestly just miraculously show up and kind of make it happen. Wow. Um, so now we're, we're, we're kind of building a little bit more structure, um, structure into that. So, um, you know, folks like me will still be in place in the office, but then we've also um, contracted some ladies around the country that will come in just for stock show and will essentially be additional boots on the ground catered to a specific area. So Sarah Vickland, specifically to the breed associations and the breeding cattle and, and beef cattle side of things. Um, she lives in Iowa, but she's a Colorado native and a, a good friend of mine. We were actually just talking yesterday how 
it's funny we were running around at the county fair together and then this many years later we're we're working together which is pretty cool so sarah will be in town um in january and she will be there for you know at check-ins and processings do you need a table and three chairs and a hip pipe shoot or what do you need um you know is there something going on at the show ring she's going to be able to be there whenever um sales starts she'll be there to make sure that the sales get going all right and that they're accommodated well and things like that um instead of maybe just having one or two people that are able to you know that are in charge of maybe the whole campus or the whole show in terms of helping put fires out and address issues and and accommodate folks we've now just expanded that structure so Sarah specifically is going to be just over the breed breeding cattle side of things we have another gal that's going to help us with herd sire area specifically, another one with junior market specifically, and then another one with all of our, our um, specialties. They're kind of like our one-off shows, like stock dogs, llamas, alpacas, poultry, things like that. Um, so kind of just, I guess, strengthening the, the structure of the place, I suppose, and getting our more legs underneath us, I suppose. <laughs> really staffed up, and, and that's neat information, but you know, one thing that my mind kind of goes to as you you mentioned a little bit your relationship with Sarah growing up. We've got listeners of all ages on Cattle Pros, and I would just say, especially to you younger exhibitors, you younger cattlemen and women who are listening, boy, never underestimate the value of relationships that you're making, uh, the networks that you're creating, the people you're meeting at these cattle shows, people that are buddies and friends now will be colleagues and really valuable connections for you later. So just as Clancy said, she and Sarah used to run around at county fairs. Well, now they're running around putting on the National Western Stock Show. And it's it's pretty amazing how many of us have stories just like that. So that's a little side note, but I think that is important to point out to our listeners. I think that's really cool. You bet. I, you know, one thing I always tell our interns, we get we get a small army of, of college girls. I, I say, I joke and I say it's like herding cats in January, but um, you know, we kind of give them a little bit of a powwow when they first get here. And I say, uh-huh. you know, we want you to have fun and we want you to enjoy it. But a lot of these people in this room, including myself, very well might be your industry peers someday. So just yeah. keep that in mind and, and just know that, you know, especially places like Denver and a lot of other livestock shows, but it is a, it is a, um, you know, an epicenter for, for, connections and opportunities and you just you literally never know where they will lead. <laughs> that's a great way to put it and I think you know not only from those kids' standpoints but also from the exhibitor standpoint that's an epicenter for a lot of business that gets done a lot of knowledge that gets exchanged uh, genetics that get exchanged so I like that word epicenter I think that's pretty good yeah. uh, uh, word to use there for our stock show and Speaking about the stock show, now a lot of changes on the exhibitor side, but a ton of changes on the facility side. And this is the exciting part to talk about because you guys have just thrown everything into doing a complete remodel, a complete upgrade and making this thing super, super nice. And a lot of people have questions about it. Now, you guys have thrown some videos around the internet a little bit and done some progress reports, but we want to hear the latest and greatest of what's going on. And if I'm right, uh, Clancy, I think you're starting first with the yard portion of the facility. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. So you can imagine that the, the campus is pretty big. We're, we're our existing campus that everybody was used to. It was, it was 130 acres and that included the Coliseum. And now we're growing to about 250 acres. Oh, wow. So it's, it's quite a large footprint. And so you can imagine that things have to be very sequential and very strategized in terms of 
we can't tear something down before we have a new facility to replace it with. So, yep, to your point, the, the yards was kind of first on the docket, and we're super excited to open that up, um, grand opening in January of 22. So paint a picture for us. Um, you know, people are just using their imagination. They're, they're in the barn right now working. They're driving down the road. Um, just kind of walk us through where you're at, what it looks like. I know one thing that I had a chance to get a sneak peek at was the new auction arena. Mm-hmm. So formerly, you know, we showed the carloads and the pinballs and the, and the old auction, but that's totally done away with and been redone. So what can we expect from that new auction building? You bet. So I guess like, you know, visually, so if you're walking down the hill, right, we've all gotten our fair amount of cardio walking up yeah. and down the hill, which, right. which is still there, <laughs> which is still there. My knees way, just so. started hurting, but go ahead. <laughs> right. um, so if you were to walk down the hill, you know, to the left or to the south, there's the exchange building, the old historic one with the cool columns in the front. That building is still there. It's a historical Good. landmark, and, and it's also home to the yard bar. I think there's a lot of exhibitors right. that like oh man is the yard bar still there it is alive and well and they're still there okay gonna be there for a long time so then to the right or to the north you would have seen like you said that the old auction uh, building there and then the kind of the herd sire area and then Mm -hmm. to the north of that was those pins and then if you looked all the way down to the end of the main alley there was that brick building that probably nobody really knew what it was (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so if you could visualize now that salem barn is gone the, the old pins and everything is gone, but where that brick building was at the end of the alley, that's pretty much where the new yards begins. Oh, so, um, so yeah, and it goes 20 acres to the north, if you could imagine. So you might have seen um, a little bit of a sneak peek of it at 2020 Sock Show. They did have it kind of fenced off. Um, and again, we were in a, in a temporary kind of interim construction footprint in 2020 Sock Show. But in 2022, the, the new facility is completely done for the yards. So what that does is that old sale arena and then the old people call it the Pepsi arena or the, the stockyards arena where some other pin shows and even the carload um, collegiate judging contest was in there and whatnot. So um, those buildings now share a wall and they're twice the size. So this is a 46,000 square foot facility and it houses, it'll house all of the auctions and then all of the pen and carload shows for down in the yards and then all of our yards open breeding shows as well. Um, it is, you know, it has some modern features, which is, uh, I mean, it's kind of sad in a way to mention this, but we do have things like heat. <laughs> we have, uh, we have about 38 bathrooms in that facility. I think in the old yards, I think we had a total of seven or eight. So we have about 38 of those now, which is awesome. Um, we have things like even little things like drinking fountains and, and IT and internet and um, yeah. modern capabilities and whatnot. But, but, um, but yeah, so on the sale arena side, it's pretty impressive. And Jake, you've been in there yourself. And I think just the sheer volume is, is pretty impressive. When you walk in there, you're just like, okay, <laughs> this is, this is, yeah, it's, cool. a, it's a big room and there's just a ton of seating in there. How, how what is the seating capacity? Yeah. So we have 650 fixed seats and then we have, the ability to set up an additional 200 at the top if we want, depending kind of on the scenario. Um, Cause we have huge concourses up at the top for standing room. Um, you know, we actually had some sale managers in there about a month ago now and like the stars aligned and we just happened to be testing the sound that day uh-huh. and the sale managers were like, Oh my gosh. And some of them were auctioneers as well. And they were like, this is amazing. This sounds so good. We're so impressed. So that was really exciting to hear too, is just that the sound is, is, um, is pretty cool too. You know, on that, 
we have some new features as well. And you've seen, so connected to that upper concourse, we have a hospitality suite and that could be used for board meetings. It could, we can open it up and have like a hospitality area. The coolest part is it opens up to a balcony that's pretty large. And that balcony looks out onto the mountains. It looks out into the Herdsire area and whatnot. So we're really excited to, to rent that space out and see people utilize that as well. So let's talk about this, this barn facility, this auction facility. So people understand you've described one enormous building with kind of two components, one side being the auction arena, the other side being, and you correct me, I'm going to call it the new show arena. So historically, like those of us who showed cattle in the yards, we're used Mm -hmm. to actually showing in the auction arena itself, but version 2.0 in 2022, we'll be showing in brand new show arenas just adjacent to that auction arena this time. Is that correct? Yeah, you're right. Yep. So connected to that sale arena, which, you know, first and foremost, we were very, very aware of the sound, right? We wanted to protect the sound, but still make it a permeable environment, right? So like if you're at the show and you wanted to go to the sale or vice versa, you could do that, but also that we could, you know, effectively have a sale going on and a show going on at the same time from a sound perspective. So that show arena side, the arena itself, the show arena itself is going to be about a hundred by a hundred. And so what that allows us to do is kind of split it down the middle and we're able to have two shows going on at the same time, somewhat of a similar setup and function to what you would see in stadium arena on the hill. Instead of, you know, in the old yards, to your point, people would have to show in the sale arena and then some of them would show in that old Pepsi arena, things like that. So what that does is it actually opens up the scheduling and the opportunities in that sale arena side, which when Mm -hmm. it's not used as a sale, um, we're going to have some educational things, um, forums, um, other presentations and things like that. But in that show arena, we do have, um, we have a pretty cool setup where, you know, kind of specifically designed for these pen and Carlo shows where we have return alleys and catch pens and, and rounded corners and things like that. We also have directional sound in there. And then we've also got multiple options to divide people and cattle traffic um, in the back so that these shows can really run smoothly and, and congruently as well. So it was pretty obvious to me when we did get to take a peek at that is that so much thought had gone into it. And, as we've seen with other new facilities built in the past, you know, 10 years, it seems like um, uh, facilities like yours are building these things with livestock exhibitors in mind. Um, whereas before, I mean, we've all been to facilities where water pressure is inadequate, electricity is inadequate. To your point, there's crossover traffic between pedestrians and exhibitors, and it's just cumbersome, and it's sometimes not the safest. And Um, these new facilities are just going to be so well planned out and so well thought out that it looks to me like exhibitors are really going to love them. And, you know, Clancy, our family and many of the families that are um, exhibitors at the National Western Stock Show have been so for years and years and years and years, I think 40 something years in in our case. And we Mm -hmm. love the tradition. We love the old wood pins, you know, the old cellar. I mean, there's so many memories but it's kind of like the old barn that granddad built at the ranch. Eventually it just outlives its usefulness. 
um, it doesn't keep up with times and it's, it's got to be pushed down and replaced. And um, that doesn't mean the tradition dies necessarily, but it gives us opportunities to make new traditions and do them in a better way. And that's when I walked through there, that's what probably hit me is, mm -hmm. wow, this is going to be so much better. And sometimes you know, it's kind of like you're driving that old pickup truck and it gets the job done, but until you get the new one, you don't realize how much you were struggling <laughs> along with the old one. And, um, and, and then that really is kind of how it hit me when I walked through there. And I really think a lot of our exhibitors will have that same impression when they get to see it firsthand in 2022. I mean, what say you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, we really want to honor the past, right? I think there's a fine line of opening this shiny brand new facility, but still honoring our past, right? And, and the former traditions and things like that. So, you know, in the past, they actually, when they dismantled the old yards, they did with the, with the historical pens, they took them down board by board and they inventoried every latch. And I mean, you think about even, even things like the concrete feed bunks that were mm. almost in the way, <laughs> mm -hmm. but they're going to turn those into planters and things like that. I mean, the, the folks that we have um, collaborated with on the project have done an extremely careful and respectful job of the historical materials. And they understand that, you know, there is, there is a lot of tradition here and you don't just want to walk that clean, right? Um, oh, a cool course. thing we, we did too is we actually, we've partnered with some Colorado FFA chapters to take some of the historic wood and build us some cool things like a uh, like a facade for the front of the auction block and the sale and of the oh, show right. ring, um, announcer stand. And they are going to build us some mini gates that we're going to be able to auction off and things like that. Right. To, to kind of honor the past and, and help benefit them and our organization as well. And so it's things like that, you know, and you'll see even on the outside of the building, they're hanging some of the old wood um, kind of as a, a, a wooden screen out in the front and whatnot. So there are definitely things that we are respecting the past, but still, like you said, just moving forward and, and hopefully just making sure that the stock show and, and the pin and car load shows specifically in the yards, because that's so special and unique to Denver, um, that they can survive until for the next 100 years. So. Well, I like that you guys have taken the time and the expense to do that and, and thought gone into that, which is a nod to the past, but it is going to be so much nicer. Yeah. Trust me when you see it, uh, the, the great job they've done. So you've walked us through this auction arena and what I call the show arena facility. Mm -hmm. Now let's walk out of that building and go to where we're physically going to stall the cattle, our day pins and our night pins in the yards. Give us a rundown of what's going on there, Clancy. Yeah, you bet. So kind of moving like right outside that show ring, right? There's a, the footprint of a football field, essentially. And that is where we'll be able to stage all the pin and carload cattle. We'll be able to do some previews out there. We'll have a processing tent and a scale. We'll also have our photo area back there and then actually room for circulation and, and change and, and flexibility if that's what we need. So if you remember in the past, you guys would um, tie on those orange tie rails right mm -hmm. outside the old sure. arena. So now we actually have three runs of 150 feet with 30 foot aisles and those panels are on rock bottoms. Um, so if people can tie and we have plenty of tie space out there and display space, um, which we thought was, was really important because, you know, some folks even had to overflow into the photo area and it was, it was kind of a mess. Right. And so um, that is definitely, that was definitely a priority of us. And then, and that's going to be on concrete and historic brick as well, which is kind of cool. 
So then um, moving to the north of that is all of the pin area, all of the, if you remember in the past, and I know that you've probably tripped over like an old brick or a pothole of dirt or <laughs> whatever it was mm -hmm. in the in the old yard so um the, the main you know a big factor to us in the pen area was the footing so that the footing will be asphalt and you'll so you'll have consistent footing throughout all the pens and then you know in the day pens um we can actually tell people that they are standardized size which is a huge thing right in the past it was kind of cattywampus of uh -huh. what pen you got and what your measurements were and all that good stuff so all the day pens are going to be 24 by 32 and they're flexible so you can open that up um, and have maybe a 24 by 64 or whatnot. Um, what's really cool, and then night pens are gonna be 16 by 24s, and those are flexible as well if folks need to open those up. Um, you know, we also have three main alleys now instead of one. So that obviously, you know, capitalizes more spots, more um, alley spots and, and just accessibility and, and a better visual for visitors and customers as well. One of the biggest things we're really excited about is that we are providing power to all of the mm. day pens. Mm. So <laughs> you maybe won't hear as much rumbling of generators <laughs> mm -hmm. anymore, which is again, um, kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, for every 24 by 32 day pen, we're gonna have six 20 amp outlets available for you. So it'll essentially uh, be a, a breaker box of plugins that hangs on your pen and you can plug in and if you blow a breaker, then you can fix it right there for yourself. Um, and, and those are being powered in an extremely um, engineered and, and thought through way. And I promise you that because I worry about it. <laughs> you, know, you worry, you're like, right. oh my gosh, this, this is a huge advancement. But right. I mean, we're getting our own transformer and everything. I mean, the, the, the detail and the thought and the planning that has gone through this is strenuous. So, um, so yeah, um, that, that's a huge one. And then obviously we have wash racks as well. And to your point, we were talking about, I mean, pressure was a huge priority. You know, we worked with the, the city and County of Denver on this project and, um, it's kind of funny telling them that something like water pressure is important to us and they look at you kind of sideways, but you're like, no, 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 like this is a huge priority to us. So um, that is definitely going to, to be a reality. So really good water pressure in those wash racks. Um, half of them will be tempered, half or not. And um, they're going to be powered. tempered, by you mean there's, there will be hot water on part and part will just be normal? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So if you prefer, you know, and, and you know, the weather in January, right? We can have sometimes a 60 degree day or yeah. a zero degree day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. so yeah. And you know, um, when talking about those wash racks and stuff, you know, we know a lot of people are used to washing in their pens, but um, we work with um, logistics managers a lot on this project and, um, you know, making those things accessible within a reasonable distance was definitely a priority to us. So, um, nobody will have to walk less than 200 or more than, sorry, more than 250 feet to get to a wash rack, which is kind of nice. And so then also that quick access to that show arena and staging area as well. So that is interesting. The layout that you guys came up with um, electricity in every pen, that's a game changer. And you talked earlier about some savings. I know for us, that's a pretty substantial cost that we incurred every year was renting one of those big industrial generators from one of the, the local rental companies in town there, you know, that was, I'm sure that's a thousand dollars if I remember right for the week or, or maybe more um, mm -hmm. that we'll be able to trim out of our own budget, which will be great. Um, but then, you know, you got very adequate 
um, electricity down there too. If each of those six by 32 pins come with, or 24 by 32 pins come with six 20 amp outlets. I mean, that's, that's a six blowers, you know, that you can be running down there. So that's, that's more than enough electricity for um, at least something of a, a display of our size. And yeah, to, yeah. to go back to your congruency of, of those yard pins, I, you know, from an exhibitor standpoint too, I like how that levels the playing field a little bit on our abilities to display the cattle. Um, you know, seniority was given to a lot of the exhibitors who had been coming from years and years and years and, and they had those nice main aisles and some bigger pins, but now everyone's going to be really on an equal playing field, so to speak. And it'll be so much nicer from a design setup, equipment, tax standpoint, where we know exactly what the dimensions are. Like you said, you can open it up and make those pins larger if we have larger displays, but um, just the amount of a I'm just thinking ahead here a little bit, the amount of extra tools and repair stuff that we used to haul, you know, to kind of patch those things together every year, that'll be a savings for, you know, again, for us at least as well. So I'm excited to hear about that. Now, I understand the wash racks, you know, part are heated, they're going to be large, they're going to be nice. They're within, mm -hmm. you know, a pretty short distance of everyone's pins. So they're strategically mm -hmm. placed around there. But like yeah. watering our cattle during the day, will we still have access to water in our pens, like for water buckets or for wetting down the beds? Yeah, you bet. Yep. And um, it's kind of cool actually now to look out there. I was actually down in the at the site last week and you can see all the water infrastructure is in. So 100% of the water infrastructure is done. And now they are working through all the electrical infrastructure and plan to start laying asphalt, um, you know, before Mother Nature decides to not cooperate with asphalt. So yeah, um, and then, you know, we'll be able to, um, you know, set all the spines of those pens, get all those power cords. Um, you know, hung and everything like that to be able to supply power to all those pens and whatnot. So it's definitely a sequential process, but yeah, absolutely. You'll be able to have water um, on those alleys and those pens. And, and, you know, we thought through even things like drain placement, right? I mean, you can't have a drain right in the middle of the alley because cattle don't like to walk over those maybe necessarily. So, you know, we tucked those away and, and we're trying to be mindful of the exhibitor um, as much as possible. Yeah, no, that's great and much appreciated. Yeah. Um, you know, with a new venue, no doubt, especially this first year is going to come some some changes in what we need to bring, though, as exhibitors. And, and, you know, it'll take getting one year of it under our belt before we just figure it out, really. We're going to have to go through the process once. But in as much as it's possible, how can we get ahead of the curve and thinking about what it is we need to prepare for? So, Take us, if you will, inside one of those pins and describe for us the type of fencing, the type of gates. I think you said there will be an asphalt surface. Just kind of walk us through that and let us get our mind wrapped around what that's going to look like in the new facility. So in terms of, you know, I guess beginning with all of your stuff in general, we have actually purchased additional tack trailers that will actually be able to just be dropped off at your pen. We'll unhook, our tack guys will unhook, and then they will drive around and, and come back in a half hour, an hour, however long you need to have your cart there. So we know that we are on a larger footprint and um, that is, it is going to be a distance of where you, um, you know, our unloading area to maybe where your day pen might be. So that's definitely something that trying to be mindful of there but when you walk into your pen yeah so 
Um, you got a sneak peek, or a lot of people got a sneak peek of these at the 2020 National Western, but we call them our Cadillac panels and our day pens. Um, but, you know, they're very similar to maybe what you would see at Grand Island um, of those panels and how they're on those rock bottoms. So we have mm. plenty of tie options, and there's also cables at the top for stall signs and whatnot as well. And then the gates, we call them just kind of an economy panel. It's an eight foot, um, just kind of a plain gate, I suppose. And then in the night pens, in those night pens too, um, it's an economy panel, but they're boarded at the bottom um, so that that bedding can, can stay in there and whatnot. So, so yeah, that, is, and again, like you said, it's on asphalt bedding and um, we are looking into bulk bedding options to hopefully expedite even that process mm. um, to where you can hopefully just kind of get your pen up and going as, as quick as possible. So, so yeah. And then so, I, guess, I guess a huge thing here is just, you know, we're maximizing flexibility, right. And, and trying to make it um, modern and more convenient for exhibitors. So I guess from there, you know, the beauty of it would be that it would be up to your guys' discretion of how you wanted to set your pen up. So we can still use the tarps, for example, and dress it up a little bit on the inside and there'll be, there'll be room to hang up, you know, stall cards or signage or things like that. Yeah, you bet. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a great idea on buying the extra trailer carts. And that's such a simple solution. It never crossed my mind, but you, um, you have the tractors more or less jockeying those trailers back and forth. Whereas before the tractor and the trailer stayed connected together and it was, um, you know, one guy loads, you wait for him to unload, then the tractor's freed up to get the next guy. So that should be a game changer on the amount of time it takes to not only get in, but get out when everybody's ready to leave. That's a great idea, I think. United Harvest procures the finest meats from the finest ranchers, farmers, and butchers. Many of you know the difference between farm-raised and store-bought meat. Having eaten those meats, I can guarantee you that they are the most superior steaks you'll ever eat. By offering the highest quality ag products directly to consumers, United Harvest is able to both bypass middlemen, pushing profits back to the American farmer and rancher, and providing the highest quality meats to you. No coal cows here. Please go to unitedharvest.com and type in the discount code FRIENDS15 to enjoy 15% off your first order. That's FRIENDS15. So another thing that we're doing too is, um, you know, in terms of loading and unloading and staging and whatnot. So if you remember the old road that ran right behind the yard bar, mm -hmm. um, you might be able, you know, they might've shared that road with industrial traffic of semis and semi trucks and, and yeah. whatnot. Well, um, that road now curves around, actually it follows the old Canyon or Delgany tieouts. And um, so it's kind of rerouted, but National Western should have internal control of that in January. So that'll allow us to effectively stage people um, so that they can wait in line in a safe place and, and hopefully just make that process a lot smoother and friendlier. Yeah, I think it sounds like a much smoother process. Um, <clears throat> imagine show morning, if you will, for most of us, especially if you have an eight o'clock show start time, that means that, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning, you're out there feeding the cattle, preparing the cattle, getting them ready and uh, being ready for that seven or seven thirty AM call to the show ring. Mm -hmm. We hung up a ton of lights, you know, to get our pins illuminated or to be able to see our night pins. What's the lighting situation going to be like down in the yards going forward now, Clancy? You bet. So there, 
that's another thing that the city and county engineers definitely looked into because um, when the show is not going on in January, this will essentially, I know all the pens will be deconstructed and it'll be a parking lot with power, right? And so they wanted it to be as free spanning of a space as possible, but still be safe from a, um, a lighting standpoint at night or, or an illuminance to your point. And so um, it is all perimeter lighting. And I think it'll be one of those things too, where if we get through the 2022 show and we say, hey, we still need supplemental lighting throughout the pens, we can definitely accommodate that. That's not a problem to, to put a light plant anywhere. But the perimeter lighting, they, they study lumens, they study distances, all of those things. And it was definitely carefully thought through. Great, that'll be a, a nice change as well. So we've talked a lot now about what's gonna be different and what's gonna be better in 2022, but take us, um, Let's, let's move our focus maybe a little bit away from the yards and talk to our friends that are showing hill cattle. What can they expect? So what will be the same for 22, 2022, in other words? So the hill, uh, hill world is essentially going to stay the same. So um, with the exception of us trying to make those efficiencies a little bit better with our schedule and with some bulk bedding options, um, you know, the hill pretty much stays the same. Other than that, like I just mentioned to the, the Delgany or the Canyon tie-outs, those are gone now because they're going to, they actually buried the old Delgany pipeline and they are um, using energy from it to power the campus, which is kind of cool. But um, we did lose those tie-outs, but we are um, actually, that was about 500 ties and we're accommodating those with about 700 ties, new ties up by, we call them the E-ties, which if you were to walk down the hill, take a hard right and walk um, kind of along the old loading docks of the old yards, if you remember. We have, we have yeah, existing right. tie outs there. Uh -huh. um, we call those E-ties. So that area is just expanding. Um, and you know, we actually calculated it with our logistics manager that the furthest point in Delgany to the furthest point in our new tie-outs is no longer than about 20 feet. So mm. um, again, just trying to keep the exhibitor in mind. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the the biggest difference, I suppose, on the hill. Um, but yeah, other than that, other than the schedule and the, and the hill tie-outs, um, things in, in hill world will most likely stay the same. And the, the old stadium arena, I can tell you, it still holds the same ambiance and, and vibe that it always has. So we're excited for that. It, there is just a cool um, ambiance, as you say, just the atmosphere of that place, the vibe of that place, the history of it. I hope that never changes. I mean, I just, I love looking up there and seeing the old architecture and you, you think about all the people that have been in that ring before you, both judging and showing and spectating and all those things. That, that is just a ton of really special history in that building, isn't there? Oh yeah. It kind of, it gives me goosebumps, right? Yeah, <laughs> like it does. It does. Yeah. Not to overstate it, but it really, if you're, if you're into this stuff, I mean, if showing livestock and, and seeing good livestock is what you, what you like, you think about how many really breed changing, genetic changing animals have walked through that arena at some point in the hundred and whatever year history of the stock show. It, it'll kind of make you stop and think a little. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I always, I always, consider myself lucky every January I walk in there and I'd be sure to, you know, let's say during the, the Angus drive or Hereford drive or, or something like that, when there's all the, it's packed and all these people are lined up on the fence and you just can kind of take a step back and you say, this is pretty dang cool. And, yeah. and kind of hits you right in the feels. Right. And where you're just like, wow, we serve a really, really great community and we make some really cool things happen. And, and thank goodness for venues like that. 
that, that just kind of put the cherry on top, I suppose. <laughs> we uh, just last week finished up with our National Junior Angus show that was in uh, Grand Island, Nebraska, and it, it went really good. Grand Island's a great facility, and, and you've mentioned it already. A lot of the uh, some of the features that people like about Grand Island, you guys are incorporating into the stock show, the rock bottom uh, fencing systems and those things, the great wash racks and all that. But um, um, thinking about the National Western Stock Show, you know, that's going to be the third generation, mm-hmm. our girls, that will be showing at the National Western Stock Show. And it, this was only their second junior national. So they're young. Mm-hmm. They are they are just getting started, but really excited for them and so many families that have have grown up there themselves. Their operations have shown there, and and now their kids are coming back to show there. You bet, yeah, and and you know the cool part too is the the stadium arena itself was deemed a historical landmark. So regardless of all of our construction, everything that's going on, that will always be there, and it will always exist, which is which is kind of gives you peace <laughs> knowing that. Um, you know, I guess one other thing to point out about the Hill Jake is um, exhibitors will see, you know, kind of that old footprint of the yards um, that is going to be blank this year. Right. And we'll be able to park some exhibitors on there and whatnot, which will be cool. But oh, that will that, be good. that will be the footprint of the new Hill facility. So you, you mentioned Grand Island and how awesome their facilities are. And we've definitely taken notes from them and, and many other fairgrounds, too. But um, just pay attention to that footprint and and you'll see how big our new facilities will be um, for the hill exhibitors so when all the construction is said and done which the new hill facility should open before um, 2025 national western um, but the back door of the hill to the front door of the yards will be about 300 feet which is oh cool. wow <laughs> so um so yeah but again the stadium arena will still be up there on the hill and and we will still hold some special events and everything in there but but, you know, looking forward, um, the new Hill facilities are, are pretty great. And, you know, maybe this time next year, we'll be able to share more details on that with you. Hopefully so. And if, if uh, you folks haven't seen the drawings, the renderings that they've come up with of what all this is going to look like when it's completed, and it takes time, it's going to take patience. And, and I think everybody understands that. But when it is done, my goodness, Clancy, I don't know if there'll be anything in the country that can rival it. You know, we're hoping so. <laughs> we're hoping so. We, <laughs> we, like to share, share, we like to share business for sure. But, you know, yeah, we, we sure hope to build a, a facility that people want to use, not only in January, but year-round. So. Yeah, and I think Junior Nationals, we were talking about that earlier. I think there's huge potentials to host some really awesome Junior Nationals. And particularly like that show arena we talked about down in the yards, you know, I can see lots of contests happening down there simultaneously with your stuff on the hill. And um, we're talking a lot about the National Western and rightfully so, but I know that there's going to be a a ripple effect above and beyond that in our cattle community as well of different opportunities that present itself at the facility. Yeah, you bet. Yep. And and you just, again, you think about even that basic, where all the pins are going to be in the yards. Well, in June or July, those can all be deconstructed or part of them can be put back up for night pins for cattle and, and the rest are, are RV spots, right? Or, or folks can oh, cool. park or, or trailer park or park their pickups or, or whatnot, you know? So you just think about the flexibility of that space. Um, it's pretty awesome. So. As we kind of transition here into our next uh, part of the podcast, I'm thinking back to our girls again at that junior show this summer and they get the, we call it around here, the yeah buts. 
And so we tell them to go do something and, you know, come on, it's time to go tie the cattle. Yeah, but dad, I want to go help uh, so-and-so at their staller. Yeah, but dad, we've got a game that's fixing to start in the arena. So we, our kids get a case of the yeah, buts, but we can all sometimes get a case of the yeah, buts. And I've heard a lot of it as it pertains to the National Western Stock Show. So, you know, we talk about these new facilities and we talk about 2022 and sometimes you don't finish a sentence before someone says, yeah, but I heard this, that, or the other. Oh, um, yeah. You know, we're, we're, are you guys going back? Well, yeah, but, but, you know, da, 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 you know. And so I would like to just take this opportunity to give you a chance to clear the air on some of maybe rumors or misconceptions that people have picked up incorrectly on the internet or in conversations or social media or whatever. And that stuff can spread pretty easily and pretty innocently. But, um, there are some things I think out there that it would be appropriate to address and, and just clear the air on and let people hear directly from the source, the truth of the matter. And so one of the big things that we've heard is, you know, when we're talking about going back to the national West, they say, yeah, but aren't they really behind on their fundraising? Is there money problems? What's going on, Clancy? <laughs> Yeah, that, that's definitely a great question. And, and to be fair, I can see how people have a lot of doubts. I mean, COVID took a lot of people, you know, gave a lot of people around for their money, you know. And, um, but, you know, on the contrary, as we talk about fundraising, our group has really been busting their tails. And, and as you can imagine, there's a lot of parts and pieces that go into not only running an organization like ours, but fundraising for an organization like ours, and especially for projects like what we're working on. But we are lucky enough that we have a, a pretty large pool of people that rally behind us and make sure that these things have continued to stay on track. So, um, you know, in terms of our internal fundraising, we have a thing, it's called the, the Capital Campaign, and they call themselves um, Honoring the Legacy. And if you hear Pete Coors name around a lot around the National Western, he is the chairman of our Capital Campaign Committee. And he has a gal named Angela Laurence, who is a miracle worker who, who um, kind of runs things um, for him. And they have actually to date raised 80 million of our $100 million goal, which is huge. <laughs> um, and they've done that in a pretty decent short amount of time. Um, you know, so not only internally are we doing just fine, we are doing, we are doing really, really well, but also, you know, through COVID, we have been lucky enough to have um, financial support from our state and federal legislatures. So actually within the last eight weeks or nine weeks, I suppose, we've gotten an additional, the National Western specifically has gotten $28.5 million of additional funding through the avenue of the state funding of our state legislature, which is incredible. Um, you know, another thing to mention too, is I know there's maybe some junior market folks that listen to the podcast and, and our junior auction committee, they are like biting, they're chomping at the bit. <laughs> like they are ready for a sale. They are so excited. They are engaging with buyers and, and those buyers are being super responsive and they too are, are ecstatic to be back and, and have a super successful junior auction as well. So financially, the National Western is, is doing just fine. And, and I really appreciate the opportunity to clear the air about that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And let's just keep right on that train of thought. Uh, one of the other yeah buts I hear is, again, when we're making these plans to go back in 2022, you'll hear people say, but isn't construction behind schedule? So you've walked us through a lot of the progress that's been made, it sounds like the yards are essentially done and ready. Is that 
on schedule and on par for where you had hoped and expected and planned to be? Are you ahead of schedule or are you in fact behind schedule? Yeah, so we are on schedule, which is a, a sigh of relief, right? Especially when you're dealing with as huge of a footprint as what we're dealing with and with, with as many kind of kind of hands in the game that we have with Colorado State University, the National Western, and the city and county of Denver. Um, so yeah, the, the yards is absolutely on track. You know, we are super excited to have the grand opening of those in 2022. Um, again, as I alluded to earlier, you know, we have to build a facility before we can take the other one down. So the hill, for example, the hill will remain essentially in its same condition until we have a brand new hill built. Um, and that construction will last for a few years. Again, I said the new hill facility is projected to be done before the 2025 stock show. So um, in terms of the National Western, things are on track construction-wise. And, and same with Colorado State University, too. You'll see if you were to come have lunch at the yard bar today, you'd see that they are um, they have three buildings that are vertical right now. And they are going to be opening one of their first of three um, in January of 2022 as well. It's called their oh, really? VITA building that focuses on animal science. Uh -huh. And it'll be home to the Temple Grandin. Um, therapeutic riding center. They have an indoor arena and an outdoor arena. They have a dumb friends league um, pet clinic in there and, and folks of the community, they actually have like glass windows where they can watch um, simple surgical procedures and things like that. Wow. So, so there's some really, really cool things going on, but um, you know, like you said, when you're dealing with the, the brevity of, and the, the scale of the campus that we're dealing with and the and the footprint in general, um, these things do take time. So yes, we are still under construction, but the construction is on a timeline. Okay, great news. Mm -hmm. um, something I think, in my opinion, that mm -hmm. the National Western has been unfairly dragged into, uh, you mentioned that you know last year was a COVID year that brought a ton of changes, but it's easy to forget is also uh, uh, in the midst of an election a presidential election that got nasty and yes. uh, national state politics, every level of politics has gotten nasty, remains nasty. In my opinion, I think somewhat unfairly national Westerns got drugged through the mud on that. And in some parts, uh, your governor didn't help that with some comments that he made. Um, but that's not comments that the national Western made. And so Clancy, just take a minute and address some of the people's concerns about what they've heard from the, the governor Colorado and then connect the dots on um, where National Western fits into that, how National Western feels about that. And um, let us know about maybe some of your, your state representatives, your senators, their feelings about the National Western um, in addition to the governor. You bet. So there is, there is no doubt and there's no denying that it has been an extremely challenging and interesting, um, like you said, COVID year, I suppose, right? 18 months or so. And, and the, can, the legislation that has come up is extremely concerning. I mean, anybody in their right mind would say that is extremely concerning. And, and that's something that we should be really worried about. But, you know, we are extremely lucky to in, in within our state and our nation in general, right? And, and our neighbors like you guys in Nebraska and Wyoming and, and other states like that. But we're lucky to have a whole army of people who advocate and work to educate consumers and legislatures on agriculture every single day. I think of off the top of my head, Terry Frank Kauser with the Colorado Cattlemen's Association. That guy 
hustles, right? And he helps get the truth out about current legislation and what's going on. Um, we also have the Colorado Livestock Association and a lot of other, you know, stakeholder groups like that in our state, but that is literally their job is to advocate for agriculturalists in the state of Colorado. And they have done an incredible job of facing these really, really challenging times. But to that point, I think this, this is not just unique to Colorado, right? I think this points to a bigger issue, coast to coast and nationwide. And, and things like this are, I, unfortunately, I think it's not if, but when, right? And, yeah. and that's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. And some of these le- other legislations, they might not get as much attention as maybe Proposition 16 did here in Colorado, right? Um, but there's some really just flat bad legislation happening in states like California and Oregon. But you know what? It's our job as members of this agricultural community and stakeholders in agriculture to never stop educating and advocating for our livelihoods, right? And, and it's important for us to use platforms like the National Western, where we get the opportunity to maybe shake hands with our urban cousins and reach across the party lines um, and face-to-face with the consumer to directly inform them of all the incredible and positive things that we do for a living and on a day-to-day basis in agriculture. Because Colorado is agriculture, right? And the future is undoubtedly bright. (laughs) It's just a matter of us linking arms and and making it simply a better place. so, I mean, it is, it is extremely challenging and there's, there's no denying that Jake <laughs> for sure. But, you know, we get to wake up every day and decide how we're going to try to face these issues. Right. And, and, you know, you mentioned the legislatures as well. We've got some really incredible legislatures on our side that are both Democrats and Republicans. Um, actually the chair of our Senate ag committee, her name is Carrie Donovan. She's a great lady. Um, she actually raises Highland cattle up in Vail, Colorado, and, and she works closely with um, Senator Jerry Sonnenberg, who is um, a farmer and rancher up in Sterling, Colorado. And, and He's Jerry, a stud, isn't he? I've heard him a little bit. Yeah, he, he is a stud. <laughs> yeah, he is, he's incredible, and he has um, helped the National Western tenfold over the last few months of getting that funding and and really advocating for people to jump back on board and, and help National Western get back in the saddle for 2022. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're very grateful for those um, legislatures and those folks that do rally behind agriculture. And, and I think it's a matter of us, um, you know, the National Western, it's our responsibility and our duty to help educate consumers, you know, and, and let's say that, that there was still some really terrible legislation going on in January. We have the opportunity to, interact with over 700,000 guests, right? And and tell them the accurate and the important story of agriculture. And, and um, it's pretty dang cool. And it's pretty cool to be able to do that. So. Clancy had an opportunity to hear the mayor of Denver speak uh, regarding national Western stock show. Don't know if he's Democrat, Republican, I don't care. I liked what the guy had to say. Um, he made it very clear that he and the city of Denver were very much committed to uh, the National Western, not only for 2022, but for about the next hundred years, if I recall, and have officially put that on the books and made it law and uh, in no uncertain terms explained that National Western wasn't going anywhere. And they're really, I kind of like the way he put it. He said, there's not anybody that can say anything about it, no matter how loudly these politicians at a state or national level want to chirp about it. And they have sometimes a louder voice than we do at our 
at our city and local uh, levels, but um, I liked the assurances that he presented on National Western uh, being there, guaranteed lock, stock, and barrel. You bet, yeah. And Mayor Hancock has been a huge advocate for the National Western for many years. Um, he, he actually helped get the 2C measure that helped fund the project um, off the ground. And, and he's been a huge advocate for the National Western. And it meant a lot for him to walk into a room, you know, the day that you guys were here and, and speak to you guys, right? And that can't be an easy conversation for him. But he, he is um, glad to face the music and, ha and glad to address any of those, any of those kind of things. And we're very lucky to have him on our side. And, you know, he was a huge advocate for the 100 year agreement, which is what you're alluding to. And, and there are things that uh, it's a framework agreement that essentially protects all of the stakeholders, right? Colorado State University, the National Western, and the city and county of Denver. And um, we are obligated to put on the stock show, to his point, right? We are obligated to do that. And no matter who is in political control, they can't come in and say, we're not having a stock show because I think you're abusing animals, or I think that this isn't right. Um the political control does not have say in us having the National Western, which is a huge, huge thing. Absolutely. To the point that you made earlier, I just want to reiterate, you know, our ag community, I think it's important. And I think we need to be careful that we stay unified in a lot of these fights. And you said, unfortunately, but realistically, you guys are on the front line in Colorado with some of the more liberal animal agendas and you're facing them sooner, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of us won't be facing them later. And, you know, just like in, in the cattle world, for example, when it's time to brand the calves every spring, all the neighbors come together and brand each other's calves and pitch in mm -hmm. and get it done and help out. Mm -hmm. And on the day you're supposed to ship cattle, if your pickup or your trailer breaks down, your neighbor's going to let you bar theirs and pitch in and help you. And get, I mean, it's just the nature of our business. One of the great things about our business is that we're going to all help out. We're all in the same boat. We're all going to help out. So I am somewhat, was somewhat surprised at the reaction from the cattle community towards some of the things that Colorado was facing. And I think we need to take a deep look at really how some of us reacted to that because let's not be so short-sighted or even naive to believe that just because it's not happening in our state today, that it's not going to be happening sometime soon. And I'm not just talking about um, some of these uh, um animal rights bills that have been put up, but also some of the crazy politicians that get elected into office. I mean, every four years, that's a rotating door. So um, yeah. nothing says that in four more years or whenever your next gubernatorial election is that you won't have a rock star governor that comes in and that can't stop talking about the National Western Stock Show, you know, you and it's not you to bet. say that your state, wherever you're listening at, isn't going to have a, a wackadoodle come in that tries to, you know, make it illegal to own a dog or a cat or whatever it is. But I do think we need to kind of take a look and, and, and take stock of how it is that we're reacting. And I would much rather, speaking personally, go to Colorado and help Colorado fight that fight on Colorado's ground than have it spread to all the other states surrounding. Obviously, we're a neighbor to you, Clancy, over here in Nebraska, and we don't want that over here. So I'm of the mindset that we need to nip that in the butt, as he used to say on Andy Griffith's show. And I'd like to see our cattle community rally behind Colorado and rally behind um, National Western Stock Show as well, but especially Colorado and help you guys fight that fight as much as we can so that it doesn't spread any farther. Um, Absolutely. 
to, to your point, Jake, too, you know, when you kind of take a 10,000 foot view at it, right? At the end of the day, we all care about the same thing, right? We, we love agriculture. We love livestock. We love youth and we love our families and we love our friends that are all a part of this community. And, and this is not the time to turn our backs on each other or, or like you said, maybe, you know, turn a cold shoulder to, to just because we're facing some hard times and you're not. Um, we are so much stronger when we link arms and, and fight the fight together, right? And it doesn't cost a dime to just be nice <laughs> and be kind to each other and show compassion and support for one another. And um, I think now more than ever, that, that has really shined through and, and we appreciate that. We appreciate it probably now more than ever. And those relationships and things are, are treasured. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so I think that it is extremely important for us to be compassionate to one another and just kind to one another and, and supportive, like you said. Thanks. I want to share with you and with our audience that, um, you know, about any uh, cattle livestock event you go to, the National Western comes up in conversation. And again, we, we're just fresh home from the National Junior Angus show. And a gentleman brought it up to me there and we were talking and, and he said one of the smartest things maybe I've heard about this political uh, conversation, this political turmoil. I never thought about it from his perspective, but boy, I thought it was spot on. And I want to tell you what he said. He said, mm -hmm. during the COVID pandemic and then spilling over into this animal rights stuff, he said, it feels like so many of us in rural America just don't have a voice and mm -hmm. we don't have a really a, a real tangible way to fight back or to bite back at some of this stuff that gets shoved down our throat. And um, his opinion was that um, a lot of people use the National Western as their stick to kind of fight back against some of the stuff that was being crammed down their throat. And I'm sympathetic with that. I can, I can relate to that. Like, I guess what I'm saying in simple terms is I think some people have misdirected their anger about some of these goofy politicians or the pandemic at the National Western. Mm -hmm. it, it's the stick, as he put it, they used to hit back with. Mm -hmm. And although I understand that, you know, I do just want to say that that is some pretty severely misplaced blame. Um, I don't blame anybody for being mad and upset and wanting to hit back and fight back. But I think we need to be measured and I think we need to hit correctly and hit the right people correctly. And just mm -hmm. as importantly, be sure that we're not, um, you know, punching ourselves in the nose, so to speak, which is sometimes how I've felt um, when you hear some of the conversations about the National Western. Anyway, I just want to share that with you because I thought that was a real, and I didn't say it as cool as he did, but I thought that was just a real great way to kind of wrap up what some of this that we've experienced over the last year or two has, has felt like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, and, and you can only imagine what it's like to maybe be in our shoes. So Right on. Right. The other, uh, the other one, and, and maybe the elephant in the room, let's just tackle it. Uh, National Western coming back in 2022. Yeah, but what about the Oklahoma City Cattlemen's Congress? Um, uh, simultaneously, uh, you know, it, it, it came in last year on the dates that traditionally National Western would have been held. Uh, had a great event down there. They're going to bring it back for 2022 as well. Tell us how National Western and Oklahoma City Cattlemen's Congress are going to function, and will they function simultaneously? 
So luckily we've worked with all of our breed associations, right? So we can make the schedule make sense for, for folks to um, attend bell shows and, and kind of back to the conversation that we were just having, right? I want to emphasize that again, we're all in this together and that includes Denver and Oklahoma city and Fort Worth and whatever, every other city, right. That puts on a, a big livestock show. And, and the fact that now more than ever, we are expanding opportunities and there's a larger platform for us to share the story of livestock and agriculture. That's something I, us, me personally, and us as an organization will never be upset or, or vicious about. Um, and I don't think it should ever be looked at as a bad thing that, you know, there are other shows going on. That's incredible. <laughs> right. I, I, we think, and we are so happy for every other show that, that popped up over COVID. You know, there was a lot of shows that unfortunately did have to cancel. And the fact that there was a lot of people that stepped up to the plate and, and made those opportunities still happen for those kids and for those breeders and, and for our business in general. Right. I mean, the fact that, you know, those genetics were still dispersed and that there were some record setting sales and everything that is incredible. And, and that's something that we should all be proud of as an industry. Um, so I hope that everybody has a successful event in 20, the re, you know, the rest of 21 and then going into 2022. Yeah. And, and I agree with that, uh, Clancy, hundred percent. And I think that our business, to your point, like when one of these things had to cancel last year, it seems like two or three popped up to take their place, which is an indicator of the amount of demand there is for these kind of livestock events. And to that point, I think we need to recognize that, uh, in my opinion, the industry is big enough to uh, accommodate two shows of the magnitude that both of these will be. And um, we went through a time there where I sensed, and I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but it kind of became an either or conversation. You know, are you going to go to Denver or are you going to go to Oklahoma City? Um, and along with that, it almost seemed like you were in trouble if you picked one over the other. So if you picked Oklahoma City, that must mean that you're mad at Denver. Or if you pick Denver, why well, you must be mad at Oklahoma City. And I, I don't think that's necessarily fair or, or true. That's not how we feel about it. We're um, uh, very well known for supporting Denver over the years, but maybe not as well known. I grew up showing at Oklahoma City at those fairgrounds. <laughs> I'm from Oklahoma, so... You right. want to talk about roots, our roots run both directions. You know, I, I've got a lot of feelings and a lot of friends um, mm -hmm. for Oklahoma and Oklahoma City, but I think it comes down to what's the best decision for each breeder. And I think it should be left to those breeders to decide and, and let both shows have the best event that they can, let the chips fall where they will. And I would say this to Oklahoma City and, and to National Western, competition is always a good thing for the consumer. And in this case, we exhibitors are the consumers. And I think as we look back, uh, fast forward five years down the road and look back at this, both Denver and Oklahoma City will be leaner, meaner, bigger, better events that serves their customers, the exhibitors better, because there is some competition now. And I think that's a great thing for the business. Yeah, I, I agree, Jake. And, you know, and a lot of time in silver linings and everything, right. And trying to look at the glass half full and it's allowed us to turn over some new leaves here. And I think to your point too, you know, just being mindful of the exhibitor, right. And, and in terms of their time and money and, and things like that, those are things that should be very much appreciated. And, and um, yeah, we dang sure no matter where everybody goes, we're just happy that that agriculture is being celebrated and, and, 
um, exhibited and, and that, like you said, there's room for everyone in the industry. So. Very nicely said. And, and Clancy, we appreciate you just tackling some of these questions head on. They're sometimes uncomfortable questions, but I think it just helps to get this out on the table and get the truth out on the table so that it stops misconceptions and rumors and gossip and things like that. So thank you for being willing to address those. No, and I appreciate the opportunity to do that. And I think it's important to have hard conversations sometimes. <laughs> it really is. And, and to just directly address it as well. So um, I'm more than open to that. <laughs> Cattle Pros listeners, as we're recording this interview, it is about one hour from lunch, which means starting to think about what we're going to eat, which brings us to our next segment, one of my favorites called Stock Shows and Burritos. Now listen, if you're new to the Cattle Pros podcast, if you didn't listen to season one, this is the way we end all of our podcast interviews because we love to eat a good meal of food. Whenever we hang out with our friends, when we want to unwind, when we want to relax, we're going to socialize around a plate of food. We're going to get to a great restaurant. We're going to get into the kitchen. We're going to get around the grill. That's just what we do. So we take this opportunity to talk to our Cattle Pros guests about some recommendations. Look, all of us travel. We're all on the road. So, Clancy, those of us that are coming to the National Western in 2022, we got to have some information about your city. If anybody knows the great places to eat in Denver, it's got to be you. So, when it's time for Clancy to go out and hang out and have a night on the town, what restaurant are you going to in Denver? So, I mean, there's no denying we love our friends at the Yard Bar, right? And the National Western Club and kind of those uh, main spots around, right, right close to our campus. But one of my favorite local spots, and part of me can't believe I'm going to let this out of the back, but I feel like a lot of exhibitors go um, east of the stock show, right? And they go over to Quebec right. Street, and they yeah. have all that wonderful stuff, but there's a lot of amazing places if people go west, just about oh. five or ten minutes, and one of my favorite places, it's called Billy's Inn, it's at 44th and Lowell, so if you go, it's about, I don't know, five miles west and a couple miles south um, of the National Western, but they're maybe known to be a tequila bar, but they have really good tacos. They have really good um, ranch. I'm a big ranch connoisseur. Like, yeah. love ranch. So, like, like a homemade food. ranch? Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And they just have really good food. So, I highly recommend Billy's Inn. And it's kind of a hidden place. Like, if you want to go somewhere where maybe not a lot of other exhibitors will be, um, that whole area over there is kind of a hidden gem, in my opinion. There's some really cool places over there. And then there's actually another place it's in the Sunnyside neighborhood, which isn't too far from stock show. It's more of maybe like a five minute drive from the national Western, but it's called the Sunnyside neighborhood. And they have a place that's called the bacon social house. The and what? You can actually, it's called like, the bacon social house Like yeah. bacon for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I love yes. that name. That is so cool. The bacon <laughs> it's a social house. Bacon social house. And you can get a bacon flight and really good drinks and they have lots of tvs to watch the games or, or whatnot and it's really cool too again kind of off the grid in terms of uh stock show folks but highly oh, recommend that sounds uh, so cool i'm gonna try that one for sure yes and then you know if you're in the yard down the hill and you want to buy your crew a good breakfast highly recommend a santiago's breakfast burrito and they're cheap and they have some of the best green chili in the whole state in my opinion and um, there's one that there's a couple of um, their restaurants just within about five or 10 minutes of National Western as well. But they have really good breakfast burritos and they're kind of a grab and go place as well. And um, just a good business to support too. They're, they're a Colorado based business and 
pretty delicious. Their breakfast burritos at the spot, I tell you what. Look, I can tell you that place that serves those breakfast burritos on the hill yeah. in, the, in the, the area outside the show ring, I can eat those three times a day. I love <laughs> those. Those are the best. That's, that's one of my favorite things about food when we come to National Western. I'd love to go up there and get one of those. I'll even, like I said, have them for lunch sometimes. Those are great. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Clancy, is there anything that we should have mentioned or talked about today that we've left out? I just want to say that, you know, I just appreciate um, the opportunity to work in this industry. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to, to serve people like your family and a lot of other folks that, you know, listen to your podcast. And, and I hope that y'all know that. I hope that, you know, at the National Western, when you walk in, we want you to know that, that we really care and that we're trying to um, um, just make this a better place for you. And I, I kind of have a personal mantra and it's called kindness, confidence, hustle and hard work can get you just about anywhere and that's the mentality that me and my staff are choosing to have moving forward and I just hope that everybody knows that and just really really can't wait to have everybody back in Denver January 8th to the 23rd 2022 it's pretty wild 8th through the 23rd if people need more information and certainly with with the first year back I'm sure there are going to be needs for information and questions to be asked What's the best place people can go to get that information? And is there a place or person they can contact with any other questions? Yeah, so our social media outlets, for sure. We stay pretty current on those. Um, that is at, Nation at NWSS Livestock. Sorry, at NWSS Livestock. Um, you know, we post breed schedules and updates and deadlines and all that good stuff and, and some fun throwback pictures every once in a while, too. And then, obviously, our website. We just launched a new website, um, nationalwestern.com. And we've got a whole library of, of what's to come in 2022. You know, we... You had mentioned some of those renderings and stuff like that. And, and as the year goes on, we'll definitely put out things like a packing list for stock show and, and what to expect, especially going into those new yards and whatnot. And if anybody has any other questions or suggestions or constructive criticisms or, or just feedback in general, I love getting to know everybody in this industry. And, and like I said, it's, it's just such a privilege to be among you all. And my email is canderson at nationalwestern.com and look forward to having some of those conversations and, and moving forward into a bright new year. Well, it's a pleasure having you on the Cattle Pros podcast. We know you're crazy busy this time of the year. So thank you for taking time and coming on the show. And on behalf of our listeners, thanks for answering a lot of questions and giving us a lot of information. I'm excited. I'm legitimately excited to come back and uh, get the first new National Western Stock Show under our belt to go through the facilities with cattle one time, to go through the, the show ring one time. I couldn't be more excited to do that. Um, Eldon, uh, uh, Cami, Ty, and I, Louisa, we were all talking actually about the National Western this week and already making some plans as we move towards weaning season about what it is that we'll be taking. So we do look forward to being there and just compliment you and your staff. You guys have had your hands full and you've handled it very gracefully. And I think you guys are doing a great job. Uh, love your team. Love what you guys are doing. I think you got a lot of really, really great people there. And, and we, um, again, speaking for a lot of people in the cattle business, we appreciate y'all and, and we're lucky to work with y'all just as well. So thanks for your heart. Thanks for your work on all this. And we definitely look forward to seeing you in January. Thank you, Jake. I sure appreciate all you've done and you're sure an insightful guy. And I and, uh, can't wait to see you guys in the yards again. Cool. We'll talk soon. All right. Check you later.